0: Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Gary. <laughs> it's good to see you this morning. It is good to see you. you too. <laughs> Great looking bunch. Amen. I want to tell you this morning that uh, <clears throat> we live next door to our daughter, our youngest daughter, and our son-in-law. And they're six kids. And there's only a door that separates their house from our house. Their eldest daughter, Izzy, is just 19. And she loves to cook. And the last couple of years, she's been a regular visitor to our house when she's cooking. Yes. Grandpa, big teddy bear eyes. You wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to borrow a couple of eggs, would I? <laughs> borrow being one of those <laughs> very hard to define words, you know. Or garam masala, or flour, or sugar, or <clears throat> who knows. At the end of last year, as he started a full time job. So she was starting to get some pay. And come Christmas time, she uh, bought presents. And I found a beautiful present under the tree for Grandpa. And it was actually the Passion Translation Bible. Now I told you that to tell you this. Our Connect Group is currently doing a study called Defiant Joy. Is this ringing to you? Okay, see if we can fix that. Thanks, Peter. <coughs> Defiant Joy. And we had to do some homework. Joy and I had been away for the first uh, study, and we were trying to catch up on that. But we were told now, you're not to Google find Scriptures, you're not to uh, use a concordance, just read the Word and see what God brings to you. So I was reading in uh, Romans chapter 5, and uh, verse 2 in the second part just leapt out at me. This is what it said. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. So if we put that in context, the first verse and the whole of the second verse reads this in the Passion Translation Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. This is what David was talking to us about before. Wow, we should be grateful to God, yeah. what yeah. He's done. Our faith transfers God's righteousness to us, and He now declares us flawless in His eyes. Yeah. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Verse 2, our faith guarantees us permanent access. What an amazing thing. Let's be grateful for that. Permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. Wow, us. What did we do to deserve that? What incredible joy burst forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Uh, Sounds like a mouthful, but just meditate on it. And that's what I was doing. I was meditating on those words. Um, If if you can't get this right, Peter, I'll use the handheld. See how we go. I was meditating on those words, and I remembered something, an experience that I'd had in the pine forests outside of Taupo in the center of the North Island in New Zealand. And uh, I was meeting a forest worker who happened to be one of the elders in our church at the time. And he had organized a permit for some of us to go in and and to harvest some of the waste logs that would otherwise be left to rot. And we were going to chainsaw them up and then split them and use them for firewood. Well, it was middle of winter, and I can tell you we had hard winters over there. There was being a, a very big frost overnight, and everything was covered in white. Now, there's, there's a network of roads through the forest that most people have no idea is there. Uh, but they're just used for the big trucks and trailers, and they use road trains. It's the only part in New Zealand you can have a road train, because all the rest of the roads are windy, and they can't use them. Um, But they've got names on them, like K1, L2, S36, which don't really give you much indication of where you're going unless you're using them on a regular basis. Well, I realised after a while that I'd taken a wrong turn at the last intersection, so I turned the car around and started heading back the other way. And as I did so, I saw the most incredible, amazing breathtaking sight that I have ever seen in the whole of my short life. Because every pine needle on every branch, on every tree, every blade of grass on the side of the road, every weed, even the stones on the road, everything was sparkling with color like millions and millions of diamonds. It was just Incredible, and I was so aware of God's presence yeah. with me. I felt that I was experiencing a preview of God's glory. Wow. Now I know, could only have been an infinitesimal fraction of what one day yeah. we're going to experience when we're in His presence. But you know what? At that time, when I was pastoring a growing church in Taupo, a church that was not without its challenges, it was like God wanted to come and fill up my hope and my joy. And that's exactly what it was like. Incredible joy burst forth within me. And my response, of course, was to worship him loudly and with great feeling. Move over, Julie Schultz. (laughs) Most of us know that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience. We learned it, probably. If we don't have fruit, then we don't have joy. Because we, we're not single fruit trees. We're all fruit trees. So if we have the fruit of the Spirit, we have joy. But if we don't have the fruit, we don't have joy. If we're not joined to the vine, we're going to only have shriveled fruit. Yep. Shriveled fruit. Say that fast ten times. Shriveled That's very difficult to get your mouth around. i tell you what, in my experience, shriveled fruit is worse than no fruit. Jesus spoke about that in, in John 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if there's no connection, if there's no spiritual life, Flowing from the vine to us, there's not going to be any fruit, is there? John fifteen ten and 11, he said, Jesus said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy, he says, may be in you and that your joy may be complete or your joy may be full it's like his joy coming into us fills up our joy. His joy beside our joy causes our joy to pulsate, to to resonate, to display in a million colors inside, to to burst out like a million instruments playing some fantastic, exquisite symphony within us. You can't put it into words. It's something that's it's joy. Yeah. And I picture his joy filling up our joy, something like an induction charger. Some of you may have a, a, new, a newer version of um, mobile phone. You don't have to plug the power cord into it anymore. It's got its own charger, and you simply sit your phone on top. And its nearness transfers power from the charger into your phone and charges the battery. Have you ever been close to a man or woman of God and felt something of their anointing touching you? Well, I have many times. I, I find it it's a bit scary actually getting near prophets, I find. <laughs> and, and I found that with Pastor Steve McCracken when he comes here. When I spend time with him, I'm very aware of his anointing affecting me. It's like the anointing in him... Charges the anointing in me That's very good, yeah. like induction, in fact, something like that happened in the Old Testament in first Samuel ten we, we read about Saul meeting up with a group of prophets. Saul had been anointed by Samuel the prophet a, a little while before and, and uh, he, he 'd he'd, he'd come across um, Saul, and Saul was hunting for his father 's donkeys, I think it was and The prophet said to Saul, Samuel said to Saul, don't worry about the the donkeys. They're they're okay. They've been found. But your father's worried about you. So go home. And on the way, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to meet up with this group of prophets. And sure enough, as he went and as he came, all those things happened. And he came near the group of prophets and suddenly the Spirit of God came on. him. It says in in, uh, 1 Samuel 10, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined in their prophesying. Yeah. It didn't happen until he got near the prophets. That's right. There was that, um, what's the word, induction, I suppose, of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Sometimes in our times of worship, it's, it's easy for us to sense God's presence, isn't it? Yeah. His joy fills up our joy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as Kate said this morning, worship is for him, it's not for us. Worship is for him, but but when our worship draws him near, his joy fills up our joy. You know, if the power from that induction charger for your phone, if that power was connected directly into your phone, it would explode. And I think if God was to download directly into us his power or even his joy in its fullness, we couldn't handle it. we would explode. I'm just very glad that he gives us what we can handle. You know the Psalms are full of instructions to shout for joy, sing for joy, come with joy to worship the Lord. Psalm 100 is a good example. Verse 1 says, shout with joy to the Lord. Come before him singing with joy, which indicates that we, we don't come to get joy. We come with joy. The psalm goes on in verse 2. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Be grateful to him. As David said. And praise his name. So we're to come to worship him with singing, with gladness, with thanksgiving, with praise and with joy. And these things should should already be present within us, in our spirit when we come. But unfortunately we know that's not always true, is it? And often when we come due to things that are going on in our lives the, the pressures of life pushing in on us and stuff that's happening in relationships so many other things we arrive feeling very flat rather than full of joy. But when we come in those occasions and we are overwhelmed by life, as we make the sacrifice of praise to God, as we tell our soul, come on, yeah. our God deserves praise this morning. morning Worship Him. Push through. Yeah. And as we bring that praise and that, that joy to, um, that, that expression of praise and thanks to Him, What happens? He comes near and he enlarges the joy that we couldn't access before. There's always a remnant there. We can't always access it, but he enlarges it and it will come forth. You know, we will have his joy if we do what Jesus said about remaining in him, connected to him. In other words, we are regularly in contact with him through prayer through worship through reading through meditation on on his word in Romans 12 verse 2 it says this we are not to be conformed to this world but to be transformed Just think about that word but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind but by God's word in his presence second corinthians 3:18 says we are being transformed, there's that word again, into his image. But it only happens as we stay close. It's not going to happen if, if we're not drawing near to him. Then I find that those scriptures and those words very interesting because when we're talking about an induction charger or another device, a phone or another device that has to be charged, the name given to such an arrangement where you've got a coil of wire in this charging device and there is a current running through it and on the other side you have a coil of wire and that's the receiver when they come together but not in absolute contact that unit is called a transformer if you know anything about physics you'll understand what I'm saying but isn't that interesting when we're talking about being near to God and being transformed. <clears throat> when we are close to God, we're going to receive from Him. We come with joy and with gratefulness. We come with praise and with worship, and His presence charges us. It blesses us, it fills up, his, fills up our joy. But, you know, again, our motivation in coming shouldn't be to get the joy, our motivation should be to come. To worship our yeah. God. Because yeah. we can't help but give to God yeah. and He's going to give back to us sure. more. You can't outgive God. You've probably heard that a thousand times, but it's true. Yeah. We can't give more to God than He'll give to us. James yeah. 4 8 says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, so here we are and, and we're coming near God. We come near to God and He draws near to us. And it seems to me that when we do that, we're putting ourselves in a place for transformation, for recharging, for filling up our joy. You know, when we say we feel blessed, how many of us have said that? We all say it. What do we actually mean? Can we describe, what do we mean by blessed? We've probably got a hundred different ways of saying it, but... If we think about it, I think quite often we're actually describing a sense or a feeling of joy. Is that true? Joy is involved in that. Maybe just sense a little bit of joy. Maybe a little bit more joy than we came with. Maybe we're overflowing, we're bursting with joy. And, And joy is going to show. For some people, joy only shows on their face. And you can see that they have joy. For other people, it's going to be vocal. For other people, that's not enough. It's got to be physically exuberant. And the thing is, most of us will probably be in between somewhere. Because joy energizes us. Joy animates us. It's always good, isn't it, to be with somebody who's full of joy. Would you rather be with someone who's full of joy or somebody who's got none? Yeah. But Pastor Gary said last week, and I, it really struck a chord. We, you know, we, we, see, we come to worship, and sometimes we can't help but seeing other people. And sometimes we, we make a judgment without even trying on how they are or are not worshiping God. We, we don't know what's going on for them. Right. We can't judge that. Nor should we ever judge how much joy a person has right. simply by looking at them. I understand that in some learned circles there is a debate about whether joy is the same as happiness in the scriptures. Because in some places the words are interchangeable. Well, I'm not a learned man, so I don't have that problem. (laughs) But having observed and lived life for a few years, I believe that there is a distinction. I believe that joy is of the spirit and happiness is of the soul. See, God created us body, soul, and spirit. And each affects the other you probably noticed that as time has gone on in your life. And while we live, they are inseparable. Yeah. They are us. But each aspect of us has its individual role to play in the expression of who we are. They're all important. Some of you know Shale Cullen, the body. Not the body, but... <laughs> what you see. You recognize the wrinkly old fellow with the bald head and the glasses. Now I say the wrinkly bit because there's a lot of bald head with the glasses <laughs> in, the, in the church. <coughs> but I'm probably the wrinkliest bald headed glass, glassed person in the, in the church. So you might recognize Shael Cullen the body but you don't know me. You don't know me. Some of you know Shale Cullen, the body, and the soul. You know a bit of my personality. You know my laugh. You know my ability to listen to you. You see my emotional responses to you. You are beginning to know me. And some recognize my body and my soul plus my spirit. And hopefully... Recognize that deeper dimension to who I really am and to whom I'm connected. These people can probably say they know me. Now, I believe happiness usually comes from what happens in life. It may be an event, but it's usually connected with people or with things. And uh, as an example with things, for instance, there are probably some people here today for whom great happiness it would be if they received a new four-wheel drive and off-road caravan. (laughs) For other people, I'm sure it might be a new dress and earrings and shoes and a bracelet and, well, you know what I'm saying, Happiness, but joy, is experienced at a deeper level in our spirit. But it also affects our soul. It affects our feelings and our emotions. But it comes from a deeper source. It comes from our God-sensing part, which is our spirit. Happiness can have a component of joy, I think. Especially, you see it in, in young children, don't you? In the innocence and their enjoyment of life. A child's spirit is much easier reached than a a world-weary, cynical adult's spirit is. But many of us as adults lose our sense of spontaneity and joy as a result of life experiences. You know, there's so much rotten stuff that happens and it doesn't just happen to bad people. Rotten stuff happens to good people. It happens to non-Christians and it happens to Christians. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. So all this stuff comes to us. Sometimes it's from pressure to conform to the distorted world view of our peers and our workmates and even society around us. Sometimes I think it comes to us from um, Christians, other Christians who have a very legalistic and joyless Christian, if you could call it that, worldview. And I know about that because I felt in the past the joy being sucked out of my experience when I was younger by other people's distorted expectations of me. But spontaneous joy is part of God's gift of life. And if we've lost it, it can only be restored by God. Let's have a look at David's prayer in Psalm 51, verse 12, where he said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David hadn't lost his salvation, though it was yet in the future, but he had certainly lost the joy of his experience. And why was that? Well, if we read the context of that psalm, we'll see that it was a time when kings went to war. And David should have been with his men in his army who were out in the battlefield somewhere. But he was sitting at home twiddling his thumbs, doing his knitting, <laughs> supposedly keeping safe. But if he'd been on the battlefield leading his army, David would have been spending time with God because he knew only God could give him the, the battle-winning strategies that he needed. Only God could give him the confidence to lead his men in the way that he needed. He knew that he needed God to win battles. But sitting around in his palace, he became lazy. He became bored. And it wasn't long before he stopped focusing on God. And very shortly, his idle eyes and his idle hands led him into sin, into adultery. And then later, to cover that up, into murder. Sad story. He lost his joy. He lost a lot of stuff at that time. But God did restore David's joy, but it only came as he refocused his attention on God. When he repented of his sin and he got back into relationship with God, then that's when he came back alongside God again. And Psalm 32 was written after these events. Let's have a Look at that. Psalm 32, verse 1. This is David speaking out of his experience. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. You know he's experiencing joy again. He's feeling blessed. Joy. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Verse 3. When I kept silent, when I was so ashamed that I couldn't come before God, when I was... When I was so overcome by guilt, I hid from him. But my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer when I struggled with that guilt and conviction. But verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you. And did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Wow. That's David knew something, though. He knew all that time, he knew that God knew what he had done. Because David had an incredible understanding of who God is and what he does. And yet for months he had lived in that self-imposed prison of guilt and shame. He'd done nothing about it. He said, my bones wasted away, my strength was sapped. He knew that God was his source of peace and his source of restoration. His source of renewed joy. But you know what? He stubbornly lived in that hell of an existence. until God, in his grace and his love for David, sent his prophet Nathan to come and confront him. Because God knew David didn't have what it took at that time to come before him by himself. And he sent the prophet to confront David with his sin. You can read that story in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. It's a, it's a gruesome story in some ways, but it's also an amazing story of the grace of God. And that, of course, is when David repented, when, the, when the, um, the prophet came to him. And that's when he cried out to God, Do not cast me from your presence. He knew. He knew. That's what he deserved. Don't cast me from your presence, God. Please, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He'd seen that happen to Saul before him. He knew it could happen to him. Don't do it. Lord, please, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And that's when God forgave him, and he felt blessed again. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And that blessing was the return of his sense of joy as he returned to relationship and being alongside God, where God could once again fill up his joy. But you and I know that it's not only sin, is it, that steals our joy. There's so so much else. Just the stuff that life throws at us on a daily basis can cause our joy to leak out. And unless we're deliberate in getting alongside of God every day, you know what happens? We get a slow leak. A slow leak until eventually we realize we're running flat. Our joy is gone. So many things just erode our joy little by little. But whatever the cause, today we know there's an answer. If our joy is leaked out, we need to get back alongside the joy giver. That's the only answer. Get back into relationship. Get back to reading his word. Get back to spending time with him. Get back to worshipping him. He's a good God. Can we stand together? Let's just stand for a moment in an attitude of prayer. It may be, I don't know everybody here this morning, but it might be that you have never really known that joy. Maybe you've never really known a relationship with God in that way. And you want that to change. Well, it can change. It can change in a moment. And as you come into that relationship with God, the joy resulting from it will change your life. If there's anyone here this morning and you're like that and you really want that to change, you want that e- existence to become a life of joy, just put your hand up just briefly. I'll see it and I'll pray for you. I'd love to do that. It might well be that you've known that joy In the past, you've had times of great joy, but now at the moment, you're just running flat. Whatever the cause, I'd love us to give God the opportunity to come and fill us up again. Is there there anyone here this morning who could just do with a bit more joy? Great. Well, I'm going to pray for us to do that. Father, thank you this morning Thank you that you are the joy giver. Thank you, Lord, that even though life sucks the joy out of us at times, and the things and the people around us and the environment we live in and stuff that happens to us so often tries to steal our joy. Yet, Father, you are the joy giver. And as we come alongside you, Lord, today we we decide, we change our minds about what's been happening in our lives. We deliberately put ourselves next to you. Father, we put ourselves in a place to be transformed by your power, by your spirit, and by your love. Come and fill us again. Lord, let us know again the joy of your salvation, that we can praise you and worship you freely out of our hearts, wherever we are, Lord, not even having to come to church, but being in our homes, in our cars, in the street, wherever we are, Father, that the joy of the Lord fills us and overflows us because you come alongside of us. Bless your name. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Amen.